Uh, so I'll, I'll start with a little bit of a background of our involvement with this event. Um, we hosted the Edison Manufacturing Subworking Group at Formnext last year. Um, and as a result of that, um, we've continued to collaborate and work with lots of different armed forces. Um, the Dutch Navy has obviously been the kind of start point for us. Um, and based on that and what a few of the other um, different um, military MOD or DOD equivalents are doing um, with the COVID crisis and beyond, um, I just thought I'd put together a little summary of how um, some of the different territories have been working. Um, I think the, um, the biggest issue really for us has been the fact that it, within most territories, there's slightly different restrictions on what you can and can't do, um, whether parts have to be qualified and approved medically um, or passed by the, the government or the health service. Um, whereas in some territories and countries, it's been more a case of anything you can do to help um, producing parts that the medical staff can use has just been been accepted. Um, what we've also found is that a lot of what we've been doing for to assist with the whole COVID PPE crisis has also been rolled out by some of the supply chain in a way that they're still able to create some of the parts that they were unable to source due to COVID and due to the to, to the general um, lack of availability or difficulty um, with transporting parts from other parts of the world. Um, so you can see first responders in lots of cases have been um, military staff, fire service, police um, and you know other services outside of your normal medical staff. Um, the majority of, of the parts that we've been producing or assisting them to produce have been simple holding tools to, to, to hold the visors in place, um, ventilator ducts, that kind of thing, um, but also to allow other companies to prototype parts that are then injection molded. I'm sorry to jump in, but I can't see any slides. Dave West here. Okay. That's very strange because they, they were... Um, I'm seeing the intro screen. Do I have to leave and rejoin? I don't know. It depends if anybody else can see them because I can, I can only see my screen. So, um. I was certainly seeing, I ran the intro screen, and I was certainly seeing Jane's slides. So Jane's slides were working for me, so they seem to be working for some people and not other, which is strange. Well, I'm, getting, I'm seeing a message, Chris Preston's in the same position as me. Yeah, more people can only see the intro screen. That's really odd. So I, I, I could I see it, but it now it's gone. Um. I can see it all, but now I can only hear whoever's talking. Yeah, Jane switched off sharing a screen at the moment, so we're back to just the, the blank standard Teams window. You should be able to see with people's uh, initials in. It sounds it sounds to me like it's a delay in some of the screens refreshing, and it might be to do with different people's connectivity. So, uh, Jane, no, no, I, I was fine earlier. I'm just getting the please wait. Everyone is currently joining. Something's up with this one. Yeah, yeah I think it's local. So, Jane, if you can reshare yours, hopefully that'll cause a refresh on David's. Let's try again. I was wondering whether I might need to refresh mine uh, because I was having loads of problems earlier this morning with my internet. So um, let's try. Right, let's try again. Okay, that's right. sharing fine at this end. You can. You, is anyone? Can anyone not see this now? 
I haven't got yeah, any Chris, sound now. Yeah, Chris <laughs> is working. Nick's is working. Brilliant. Okay, so um, are you okay if I carry on from where I was? Because yeah. I don't. I'm conscious that I'm going to stitch myself up and overrun. Uh, you, you always were, Jane. We've already had that discussion. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, so um, based on that, we've obviously been, been working with different different ways in different territories. Um, I suppose one of the, for us, I suppose the biggest um, projects that we've been involved with so far is with the French Army. Um, they were lucky enough to have a considerable budget to put towards their, their COVID um, project and were able to purchase a number of printers, um, 100 in total, and have set up a print farm in order to produce a variety of parts 24 7. Um, you know, and it, they have literally turned it into an additive production line. Um, you know, they have, they're lucky to have a really nice, um, you know, ideal setup um, at one of their centres of excellence that I'm not allowed to give the um, location of currently, but I'm sure that, you know, we, we can link you with them, anyone who's who's interested going forward, um, where they're also able to, you know, they've got set up where they've got robotics and automation, so they are literally using a print farm um, to, the, to its, I suppose, highest capacity where you're able to to get the maximum number of parts per hour um, from a bank of printers. Obviously, in other cases going forward, um, being able to prototype parts that are then made into the tool that's used to inject and mould the parts um, considerably um, increases the rate of which you can produce 40,000 know, in, in, in a certain period, as opposed to maybe 400 that you might get from additively manufacturing. But what made it such a good story was it was they were able to have the parts on the front line with the with their health service staff within hours um, of the print farm being set up. Um, obviously, the, the whole situation isn't just applicable to the military. As you know, there's lots of other companies around the world who are getting you know, involved with turning their production line into producing as much of this um, you know, life-saving equipment as possible. Um, you know, a number of companies that we work with on there, one of them being Airbus, um, who have not only used our printers to create the prototypes, but they're now producing parts in volume through um, injection moulding, and which is something else where we've been able to help with the process. And in the current situation, it's really been about what we can do to assist more than what, what we are looking at in revenue as a return from this. Um, you know, and again, any of the parts that we've designed ourselves can be printed within reason on any machine, but particularly on any FDM machine. I think um, it's also with a lot of companies that are having to continue to work and service the supply chain, all of their own staff are, are at risk um, and need to be looked after or protected as much as possible. Um, it's hard enough to get the PPE to the frontline medical staff. So the fact we've been able to help everyone from a van driver to a supermarket worker have some form of protection has been, you know, in the current climate, something that we're pretty proud of doing. Um, this is just a selection of, of, of three Maybe your more commercial customers that have um, been involved with the project. Um, you know, most of them have been printing parts just to stem the temporary um, shortage. But in a lot of cases, these companies don't have access to injection molding. So the fact that they may be able to produce hundreds rather than thousands is still contributing. And I think this is something that, again, that's more general um, to a lot of companies at the moment. You know, it's not just frontline medical staff that are having to be exposed potentially to the virus. Um, and in lots of cases, 
accessing any way of getting hold of this equipment is difficult. Not to mention the fact that often it's it's easier or it's to avoid any kind of transportation to be able to design the part at one location and send it to another location where the printers are based so that there's no need for any kind of um, courier or delivery service to be involved. Um, it's something, again, with this, the whole remote printing side of how files are shared between one organisation or several organisations, um, that, that's how this has potentially helped step this up a little bit further in the fact that you don't, there's a lot of companies that are a long way off doing this, but it's actually accelerated them being almost having to do it because they're missing vital parts for their own staff or their own production line. And it may be two months before they can actually order what they'd normally order. So printing something additively as a stand-in part has actually saved the situation, even in everything from, you know, your frontline medical to your food production companies. Um, it's also... As much as possible again the limitations of additive are always going to be volume but in terms of supply chain risk you know having 100 parts is better than having no parts um and being able to to get them to the destination that they need to go to um is also very important um again you're looking at commercial companies food and beverage companies who are still having to operate you know to their usual capacity in spite of the crisis um being able to get hold of parts that are difficult to source companies like heineken for example if their production line goes down at the moment they don't have access to the parts that they would normally order easily and without thinking to repair those production lines so they've been using a lot of additively manufactured parts as temporary stand-in parts they may not have the shelf life of something that's made it's tooled from steel for example it's printed in a, in a carbon filled nylon material on an fdm machine but it still allows them to carry on producing food or getting the bread or the bottles of beer or whatever it is to the end user and obviously in the current climate beer seems to be quite important to a lot of people and again as several other people have brought up during during this just this remote conference so far, um, being able to produce essential parts on demand locally has been something that ha has you know additive in lots of ways is the only source of of that um, currently, unless you happen to have access to injection molding, um, and then you know the prototyping for mass production side of it makes it a lot easier. In lots of cases, you're able to print the tool via additive even if it's not necessarily on an FDM machine, um, in order to, to, to produce the, the, the end part um, through injection moulding. Um, something else that we've done, and I know we're not the only manufacturer in this, in this space, but um, in terms of making, um, designing and creating three downloadable design files that enable a lot of our non-military or medical-based customers to produce their own um, files to protect their employees, lots of the supply chain companies, for example, um, I know your food and beverage companies again, they need to help or protect their own staff as much as possible. And in such cases where medical certification isn't required, um, you know, we, it's, it's, it's quite easy for them to, to create alternative versions of PPE using acetate and a 3D printed shield holder. 
um, just so that your your average supermarket worker feels a little bit more protected and a little better in a safer environment. Again, additive manufacturing steps to, 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 to mitigate impact on employers' health running businesses. You, if there's, there's very vague regulations as to what you're um, required to do or as opposed to what would be an ideal in an ideal world in this situation that we're in. Um, you know, and if it's, it's difficult for medical staff to get hold of, of protective clothing or even aged so that they don't need to open doors with their own hands right the way through to anything that, that they may, may need to replace. Um, it gives you know the, the, the opportunity to keep the runtime and to keep the production levels as high as they can be in the circumstances whilst keeping as many of your employees protected to a certain degree. Um, you know, I know if it was if I was working in a supermarket, I'd much rather have some form of PPE rather than none. Um, and it's enabled these companies to, to be able to produce that themselves um, by either loaning machines or by us putting them in touch with a network of bureau companies that we work with that we know have not just our machines, but but several other technologies or even larger, uh, larger bed FDM machines. And this is something that I just added because I wanted to um, address a little bit of what Rebecca was talking about earlier. Um, as a company, we offer a site scan um, option, which is a one to two day project where we, um, along with applica our application engineers and our sales partners, will spend time on site with customers, helping them, assisting them with qualifying parts. Um, it's not just about qualifying parts, it's about finding the parts that are not suitable for additive or be being able to, to, to look at 100 parts and say, OK, focus on that 20, because sometimes it's as valuable to know what you can print um, as much as it is to know what you can't print. Um, so we've obviously not been able to continue with that service at the moment because it involves being on customer sites. Um, so we've tried to devise or we, we, we've come up with a currently white label solution that we're looking at adapting based on customer feedback in order to do as much of, of the site scan as possible on a remote basis. Um, so it, it, it includes, as, as, as on the screen at the moment, um, online training to not only to help customers identify applications, um, but then also to, to assist with the best design practice for, for FFF or FDM printing, um, so it's something that we we offer. It's not it, you know anything that comes from this would then you know would be valuable for any form of FDM printing. We wouldn't want to at this point say that we that we could apply all of this to any other technology. But really, if you have FDM printers within your business, it, it doesn't matter um, which model they are. That the principle is the same. Um, we'll also run through software training. Um, so the own operate uh, operating software Cura, which is um, you know, it's completely, uh, you, you know, it's free to download, it's completely open source, therefore you can run 20 different printers from 20 different manufacturers on our software. Um, again, we like to be as open as possible, like everybody, you know, we like to think that, that, that our machines are up there with any other FDM machine, but we understand that, that a lot of companies are going to end up with a variety of different printers, but this training will help you accelerate and get the best out of the machines whether they're an automaker or another FDM brand um, 
we cover additional areas like material selection um, and just tips and tricks how to get out to how to get the best out of your printers um, other aspects are guidelines for critical parts um, and we'll run online workshops based on the customer's requirement um, it, this can even include uh, more in-depth CAD software training through our sales partners who are qualified to train in Autodesk um, but it really does depend on what the customers require and appreciate that sometimes doing a factory floor walk is a lot easier but when you're actually unable to do that it, it could help at least find some parts and start qualifying some parts um, before we can hopefully go back to normality and then being able to spend the time on site with customers. Um, again this is just a rough idea this is something that we can tailor to suit the, 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 the end customers requirements um, but it's really open in terms of you've got a couple of days and you know to spend it how you think benefits the most um, we may be looking at attendees who are complete novices with additive on the other side we might have people who've got a pretty good skill level so um, you know we want to try and make it as flexible as possible and do as much as we can really with the, with the available what's available working remotely um, again just I don't want to go through this into, into massive detail because I can send the slides to anyone afterwards that's interested um, but this just gives a rough idea of how we've planned a lot of the, the, the courses that we've run so far um, and again um, at the end of it we'll be able to provide an ROI calculation um, find at least five high ROI printed app, um, applications and ideally categorize 10 to 20 parts depending on the number and, and, the, and the type of industry that we're looking at um, and that's pretty much it